0: President McLean, Dean Kaiser, Father Markey, Father Viego, and to all the faculty, staff, and families that are St. Thomas Aquinas College, I thank you for this invitation, for this uh, gift that you've given to the diocese and to the church in the United States of St. Thomas Aquinas, the, the vision that you've created and brought forth and brought here to uh, Western Massachusetts. It's a great gift. It's a very complicated thing that we're, we're in the midst of doing here with fire and oil and water. Quite a bit is going on and through it all, I, I have no worries because no one's ever seen what it really is ha- supposed to look like, so <laughs> can't tell if you've gotten it wrong. But at the end of the day, we will anoint that, uh, the altars. We will burn incense. We will s- make this a place Cut off, separated from all other uses, but for the worship and glory of God. As I've been praying about this moment, this very exciting moment that very few bishops have had the uh, opportunity to experience, my mind has continually gone back to a scene in the novel, Yvonne Waugh's novel, Brideshead Revisited. Guomodo said it sola. Civitas plena popolo, factes quasi vidua domina gentium. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people, how like a widow she has become. These are the first words of the two verses from Tenebrae, from the Vulgate translation of Lamentations of Jeremiah. In Evelyn Waugh's novel, Brideshead, Cordelia quotes this ancient chant when she describes the closing of the family chapel at the, at the estate, Brideshead. The house is itself a metaphor for the church, and the novel is a meditation on the work of God's grace amidst the complexities of life and world events. Once full, it is now empty, this manor house. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become. Cordelia, the youngest daughter of the novel's central family, describes to Charles, the story's protagonist, with whom we travel on a journey of faith, the deconsecration of the family manor. She says... They closed the chapel at Bride's Head. Bridie and the bishop. Mummy's requiem was the last mass said there. After she was buried, the priest came in. I was there alone, I don't think he saw me. And took out the altar stone and put it in his bag. Then he burned the wads of wool and the holy oil on them and threw the ash outside. He emptied the holy water stoop and blew out the lamp in the sanctuary and left the tabernacle open and empty, as though from now on it was always to be Good Friday. A perpetual Good Friday can be our experience as the world shuns faith and Catholics walk away from the heritage that is ours. This is the time when we are more accustomed to closing churches, to blowing out the sanctuary lamps, the church in New England can feel at times like the Manor or bride's head, once beautiful and now deserted. But this sense of despair is not from God. It is a lie of the enemy, and this day proves it. Listen to the words our God speaks to Jacob before he himself consecrates an altar. He says, Know that I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. I will never leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What words of hope. God's ways are not our ways. We often judge success by the world's standards. God is almighty. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is in charge And Good Friday is not the end of the story. The dedication of our Mother of Perpetual Hub Chapel blooms like a first flower of spring. Winter makes way to summer, days lengthen, life prevails. Today's celebration and dedication celebrates an ever-current mystery. That God desires to build Himself into a spiritual temple into the world, a community that adores Him in spirit and truth. Listen to Jesus in today's gospel. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This stone edifice in which we gather together to celebrate God's praises is a sacramental sign of the body of Christ. Its dedication is a tangible experience and structure of who we are. It is a sign of our precious religious and historical patrimony, this chapel is also a sign of hope and trust. Pope Benedict XVI, reflecting on the feast of the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran writes, the beauty and the harmony of churches destined to render praise to God, invites us human beings to, though limited and sinful, to convert ourselves to form a a cosmos, a well-ordered construction, in close communion with Jesus, who is the true Holy of Holies. This reaches its culmination in the Eucharistic liturgy in which the ecclesia, that is the community of the baptized, finds itself again united to listen to the word of God and to nourish itself on the body and blood of Christ. Gathered around this twofold table, the, the Church of Living Stones builds herself up in truth and in love, and is molded interiorly by the Spirit, transforming herself into what she receives and conforming herself evermore to her Lord Jesus. She herself, if she lives in sincere and fraternal unity, thus becomes a spiritual sacrifice pleasing to God to mold ourselves in sincere and fraternal unity to Christ by the Holy Spirit, means that as individual disciples, as communities of believers, as families of blood and of baptismal water, we must be like this chapel. Signs, edifices of faith, hope, and love in the world. Like Our Lady, to whom we entrust this chapel, We are to be Christ-bearers, theotokoi, living temples of his love. You students who walk in the footsteps of St. Thomas Aquinas, who will worship here, praise God, each day, must allow yourselves to be built up in Christ. You are truly the visible sign that Jesus promises to be with us always. Allow yourselves, you students of Thomas Aquinas, to be formed so that you may reform our culture, not by withdrawing, but by entering in and becoming the leaven. So it is I be closed with Bride's Head again. The final image in the last pages of the book, we find our central character, now Catholic, returning to the old Bride's Head Manor. It's World War II, and Charles is an army officer in the grand home has been commandeered by the army. As he wanders the great halls where he came of age through his dear friend with Sebastian and the family, he finally visits the chapel. But now, because the army is there in the time of war, the chapel has been reopened. No longer Good Friday. We read, Something quite remote from anything the builders intended has come out of their work and out of the fierce little human tragedy in which I played, something none of us thought about. A small red flame, a beaten copper lamp of deplorable design relit before the beaten copper doors of the tabernacle. The flame which the old knights saw from their tomb, which they saw put out, that flame burns again for our soldiers. Far from home, farther in heart than Acre or Jerusalem. It could not have been lit but for the builders and the tragedians. And there I found this this morning burning anew among these old stones. The world may try to snuff the lights of the sanctuary, but it will never succeed. And you and I must burn anew amidst the stones fed by Jesus in the Eucharist whose presence that light proclaims. We are all players in this great tale of grace, and we are called in our world of darkness to be light. We must be emissaries of hope, living in the way, the truth, and the life of him who will never die. Praise be Jesus Christ.